Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 13th of June, 2022, the 14th of Sivan 5782. I'm also doing this segment of my show, my podcast this week, live on Facebook. I think it's been months, if not years, maybe, since I've done any part of my show on Facebook, but there's an issue in the news which just really, really steams me. And I thought I would do a Facebook Live at the same time as I record my podcast, at least just in the first part, just for the first uh, news item here, which I wanted to discuss with you. So let me get right to it. Here is the headline. This is from the Jerusalem Post, um, published several hours ago, I believe. So here's the story. Israel will join the European Union's Creative Europe program, promoting cultural cooperation between artists and participating nations. The government approved that Sunday's cabinet meeting in Jerusalem. As part of Creative Europe, the EU, the EU will heavily invest in artists from Israel and across Europe who initiate cross-cultural events with each other as a means of promoting Europe's cultural sphere on an international stage. So far, so good, right? Israel's joining this program called Creative Europe. The bill, which will see Israel integrated into the, into the program, was unanimous, unanimously approved by the cabinet after it was initiated by culture and sports minister Hilly Tropper from the Blue and White Party and foreign minister Yair Lapid and uh, economy minister Orna, uh, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Barbive of the Yeshatid. Tropper thanked Lapid and the Minister of Economy for their work in making the move possible. So far, so good, right? However, however, Israel joined this Creative Europe cultural program knowing full well that the program excludes Jews who live in Judea and Samaria. Jews who live in Judea and Samaria cannot be a part of this Creative Europe cultural cooperation program. And Israel went ahead and signed this, signed this bill, and will be participating knowing that certain residents of the state of Israel, people with citizenship in the state of Israel, will be excluded from this program. Okay? The foreign ministry, according to the article, mentioned Israel's disagreement with the EU on the matter, meaning the exclusion of Jews from Judea and Samaria, um, but we went forward with it. Israel is now a part of this Creative Europe program, okay? So we ourselves are leaving out a part of our population from Creative Europe, okay? Now, at the same time, here is headline or story number two, this from JNS, also from the last 24 hours. Israel's foreign ministry has condemned a decision by the government of Norway to label food products from Israeli towns in Judea and Samaria, saying it could have a negative effect on relations between the two countries. The decision will not contribute to the promotion of good relations between Israel and the Arabs, and would also negatively affect Norway's ability to influence Israeli-Palestinian relations, the ministry said. This is the foreign ministry said in a statement on Friday. Israel had attempted to prevent the Norwegian decision, but those efforts proved unsuccessful. Ynet said on Saturday, 
The report cited Israeli diplomatic sources as saying the Norwegian decision is politically motivated and that other, other countries are not expected to follow Oslo's path. So, according to Ynet, okay, the Social Democrat government announced a new policy on Friday saying it was not enough to label products coming from Judea and Samaria as Israeli. They are labeling goods from Judea and Samaria as settler products. That is a decision made by Norway, even though, uh, according to the article here, Norway's decision goes along with the 2019 decision by the Court of Justice of the European Union. But Norway is not a member of the European Union, yet they are going to label goods from Judea and Samaria as so-called settler goods. This mainly concerns the imports of wine, olive oil, fruits, vegetables, and will apply to products from Judea and Samaria, parts of Jerusalem, the Golan Heights, according to what they're saying in Oslo. So on one hand, Israel is joining a Creative Europe program that for some reason we have no problem doing. That's okay, even though it's excluding Jews from Judea and Samaria. Yet our foreign ministry is protesting when Norway decides that they are going to label products from Judea and Samaria. My point here is, folks, when Israel's willing to exclude a segment of its own population in an agreement from a European program here, what right do we have to criticize Norway from also not recognizing that certain Jews here in Israel are not really part of the state of Israel? I think there's tremendous hypocrisy here by our own government, by our own foreign ministry. How did we approve entering this cultural program with Europe? And what, what right do we then have to criticize? Maybe you out there can tell me the difference between the two. What right, in my opinion, what right do we have to criticize Norway for labeling products as settler goods if we ourselves are essentially labeling people in Judea and Samaria as not being part of the state of Israel. That's what we're doing by joining this European Union program. And this really ticks me off. And I really think we need a long, hard look in the mirror to see where we stand on this. And if we are going to call on our friends around the world to not support BDS, to go against the BDS, to fight the BDS, then how are we ourselves succumbing and essentially labeling part of our population as not part of the state of Israel. That's what we're doing by joining the European program, the cultural program. So let's not be hypocrites, okay? I think it was a, the wrong decision to join the European program if you're going to go ahead and then criticize Norway for their labeling of settler goods. Of course I'm not for Norway labeling. I think it's a terrible thing. But let's be consistent here. We need to recognize, in my opinion, of course, we need to recognize once and for all Judea and Samaria, the Golan, parts of Jerusalem, and all of the other areas in question are parts of the state of Israel, and the residents who live in these areas should not be second-class citizens. And of course, Norway should not label goods as settler goods. It should be labeled made in Israel. But why should we expect them to be holier than the Pope? Why should we have any problem or be hypocrites and call out Norway for their labeling of our products when we ourselves are not willing 
to go into these negotiations with Europe and say, we will only join this cultural program if you recognize all Israelis as being equal. So that's why I decided that uh, in addition to recording uh, my podcast this morning, I was going to go ahead and go to Facebook Live, just an issue that was bothering me. Who knows, maybe I'll go back and do more of these Facebook Live videos alongside my weekly podcast, but that's what was on my mind. Um, We're going to go to other news as I turned off the Facebook Live. Much more to cover on today's podcast here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. My name is Josh Haston, and thanks for all you who are joining us on Facebook Live for this first segment, this first news item. Just my blood was boiling, folks. I had to say something. So we'll take a pause and come right back with the rest of the podcast. As the masks are coming off and much of the world is turning not only against Israel, but yes, against the Jewish people. If you feel different, if your love for Israel is growing deeper and stronger, if you're thirsting to cleave to the nation of Israel and to the God of Israel, if you're thirsting to learn authentic Torah from Jews in Judea, then the Land of Israel Fellowship is for you. Hundreds of individuals and families from around the world come together on Zoom every week in what can only be described as a fellowship of love, friendship, of learning and praying and belonging. A fellowship really unlike any other. It's more than just a movement, it's a family. To learn more about the Land of Israel Fellowship, click on www.thelandofisrael.com backslash fellowship or send an email to fellowship at thelandofisrael.com. Love and blessings from Judea. And we are back. Josh Haston here. Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 13th of June, 2022, the 14th of Sivan 5782. Coming to you this morning from just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem, Israel's eternal capital city. Thanks so much for joining us. And again, if you missed the first nine minutes or so of the show, um, it's the first time in a very long time I wanted to take to video or Facebook uh, live rather because of the really the, the hypocrisy here, unless I'm again, if maybe I'm missing something. And if you're out there, get in touch with me, Josh at the land of Israel.com. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, get in touch with me and let me know how it's different that Israel decided to join the Creative Europe Cultural Cooperation while leaving out residents of Judea and Samaria. And at the same time, the foreign ministry condemned Norway for labeling products as being part of the or originating from the so-called settlements. I think we are making a mistake, a terrible mistake here. Um, and there's some hypocrisy, unless I'm just missing something. Let me know. I mean, residents of Judea and Samaria should be full-fledged Israelis. And uh, we cannot condemn Norway if we're, we are also going to go with this shtick, this nonsense of joining this cultural initiative without allowing residents of Judea and Samaria to do the same. Switching gears here, the Jewish press reported that as part of the effort to calm the right-wing parties within the Lapid-Bennett coalition, Especially Yamina M.K. Nir Orbach, who's currently believed to be the most prone to leaving his faction, coalition officials have committed to leaving the Chomesh, it says settlement here, I'm going to go with community, in northern Samaria alone. 
and it won't be evacuated in the coming months, Reshebet Radio reporting Monday morning. Specifically, we're talking about a yeshiva, which was established at the site of the former Jewish community of Chomesh, which was destroyed during the Gaza and northern Samaria pullout evacuation back in 2005. The decision was reached despite the government's report to the High Court of Justice that Chomesh would be evacuated promptly, and the fact that in two months the state is required to update the High Court regarding preparations for the evacuation of the community. Again, basically the yeshiva there. The bottom line, this government is pulling out all the stops to survive. Here you have a government, I guess, appeasing the right-wing members of the coalition. It seems that on any given day, this government is going to fall and either another MK will be tasked to form a government or Israel will head back to the polls once again for its fifth election. I think it's been, what, in under three years, but it's a daily battle. Naftali Bennett, Prime Minister Bennett, is engaged in a daily battle daily battle to have this government survive, willing to appease those on the right, those on the left. Um, but that's what you that's what you get, really, when you have a government like this. And people have praised it for its diversity. You have left, right, center. But I, I'd like to know, you know, what exactly have they accomplished? And this is not an endorsement, by the way. I've said it before. I'm not endorsing the Likud or Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Netanyahu in any way. Um, and there have been some positives. But, you know, real accomplishments other than trying to survive over the last year. If you have your thoughts on that. Get in touch with me. Happy to read your comments on the air. Josh at the land of Israel.com. Let me know what you think this government has done and why you believe this government should not fall and it should continue to operate under Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts. Yisrael Hayom reported today that U.S. President Joe Biden is expected to visit Israel on July 14th and 15th as part of a Middle East trip that includes Saudi Arabia, according to Israeli media reports. Quote, we are planning a trip to Israel and Saudi Arabia in July. A White House National Security Council spokesman told Israeli journalist Barak Ravid. Although the White House has yet to officially release an itinerary, Israeli officials said they were preparing for a possible visit from the U.S. leader on those dates. According to Ravid's reporting, Biden plans to visit Israel and the PA on the 14th and 15th of July before traveling to Saudi Arabia for two days there. If the trip happens, it'll be Biden's first Middle East visit since taking office. I'm, I'm happy that the President, president of the United States has not come to Israel until now. Unfortunately, he is coming here, and a lot of his policies contradict the good policies which the former president of the U.S., Donald Trump, had in regard to Israel, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the Golan, you name it, closing the PLO embassy in Washington, all the good things that he did. President Trump, whether you like him or not, he did a lot of good for Israel. And here we have President Biden. Hopefully it'll just be a blip. And with so many other things going on in the world, you know, like the war in the Ukraine, uh, the fact that Iran is trying to go nuclear, I mean, that is, that is a major issue. If they focus on just that, that's, that's fine. Uh, gas prices in the U.S., the murder rate in Chicago on, you know, any given weekend, all of those people being killed in the U.S., in gun violence. I mean, focus, again, I'm not talking about my position on those issues, those domestic issues in the U.S., but I'm saying the U.S. president should focus on those issues and the things that are, you know, much more important than, you know, which I know they want to focus on, the communities of Judea and Samaria. And every time you build a pergola, 
the administration goes crazy, maybe not as crazy as they did under the Obama administration, but still, I'm hoping that the visit focuses on what is important, Iran and their terror proxies, and not on Jews building Judea, which is the most most natural thing in the world. So that's my hope. If it was up to me, I would tell the president to, uh, to stay home. But uh, if he is coming, it looks like at this point he is, let's focus on, on Iran, let's focus on the important things, and let's not obsess about Jews building in Judea. The Jewish press reported today that Israeli defense contractor Ilbit Systems this weekend unveiled a new radar system that can detect and track thousands of targets simultaneously. This is unbelievable, something which we might need, as it says here, uh, in a next war with Lebanon's Iranian proxy, the Hezbollah terrorist organization. Israel will need to defend its people against large, repeated, simultaneous barrages of missile fire. I read some other stuff about this, the ability to take down drones and missiles and all sorts of projectiles which could be launched at Israel. So this is a, a an important advancement in missile defense technology. Uh, the new radar incorporates hundreds of digital receivers, sophisticated algorithms, and computing cores with artificial intelligence capabilities. It is capable of simultaneous detection and tracking of thousands of objects of various sizes and velocities with no need for target prioritization. So very important development here from uh, Ilbit Systems here in Israel. Let's hope it doesn't come to that, but it looks like we're a little bit more prepared if Hezbollah should try to strike the Jewish state. Ynet reports, Iran says that there were two Iranians killed, or actually it says reports of their deaths it's very inconclusive here. And they were both involved in the UAV program. One of them is Ali Kamani, an officer of the IRGC Air Force, who died in a mysterious car crash. The other one is Mohammed Abdus, an employee of a firm developing UAVs, satellites, and ballistic missiles, who died in similar circumstances. A lot of this stuff going on in Iran, if Israel's involved, certainly not taking credit. I mean, they're pointing at Israel for all the stuff that's been going on recently. But maybe, I mean, you know, hopefully this is setting back the terrorists. This is setting back Iran's nuclear program, ballistic missile program. Hopefully all of these things going on are doing a lot of good in thwarting the evil intentions of the mullahs there in Tehran. Iranian media outlets reported that Ali Kamani, an officer in the Revolutionary Guard Corps, died while, quote, on a mission. According to one of their local news agencies, he was killed in a car accident southwest in a town southwest of Tehran. An hour later, the local media reported the death of a scientist who worked for Iranian uh, Siemens, a producer of satellites, ballistic missiles, and UAVs. Mysterious here. Monday's reports come after mysterious deaths of scientists and members of other members of the IRGC, a guy by the name of Ayub Entazari, according to an Iranian opposition news site, was poisoned. In addition to the deaths reported in the Islamic Republic, an attack on the Damascus airport last week attributed to, attributed to Israel was said to have targeted Iranian efforts to smuggle advanced weapons components via Syria to the Hezbollah terror group in Iranian proxy. All the stuff going on there, Syria, Iran, mysterious deaths, all this stuff going on. JNS adds, 
here reported yesterday, if the West does not stop, again, this is on the topic of Iran, if, if the West does not stop Iran's nuclear program in its tracks, then the mullahs will soon get the bomb, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett told The Telegraph in an interview over the weekend. Israel has been advocating for concerted action against Iran for years, reports JNS, warning of the danger of a nuclear-armed uh, nuclear armed Islamic Republic to the entire world. Other countries in the region share that view, including the United Arab Emirates, whose leader invited Bennett to his country for a meeting just several days ago that observers say was driven by concern over events surrounding Iran. Most recently, Bennett told The Telegraph, quote, without pressure from the West, the Islamic regime in Iran could get their hands on a nuclear bomb very soon. The world must take a firm stance. Iran's nuclear program won't be stopped, won't stop, rather, until it's stopped. Again, Iran's nuclear program won't stop until it's stopped. Again, if Israel has to act alone, so be it. It looks like we do have the cooperation from the Gulf countries. But the prime minister has also said, and other officials have said, that Israel might have to go at it alone. And if that's the case, Israel will do what is necessary to defend itself from the Iranian nuclear threat. Moving on here, wonder if you heard about this story. The Jewish press reports U.S. Senators Elizabeth Warren and Edward Markey, both Democrats, by the way, this weekend, roundly condemned a new project called the Mapping Project a detailed graphic aimed at illustrating all entities believed by its progressive creators to pose a threat to their vision of society as they want it to be. The project was created by a Boston-area pro-PA uh, collective aligned with the BDS movement, one that is not only anti-Semitic, says the Jewish press, but appears clearly dedicated to total anarchy. At this moment, here's the statement from Senators Warren and Markey. At this moment of rising anti-Semitism, racist attacks, and political violence, this mapping of the Jewish community is dangerous and irresponsible. We strongly condemn anti-Semitism and will continue working for the safety of all vulnerable people at home and abroad. That's what their statement said. So here you have a project which maps out the Jews. Hmm. Where have we seen that before? Okay, where have the Jews and the Jewish homes been mapped out and Jewish businesses been mapped out? In this case, those who support the Jews, you don't have to be Jewish to be on this mapping list. If you support the Jews or you support Israel, then there is a map out there created by these BDS anti-Israel haters, which puts a mark on where your business is or where your home is or whatnot. Why is this so familiar? This is a sick project carried out by a sick group and ironically, we've said it many times before, those who will be hurt the most, by the way, by BDS are the Arabs. They'll be the first ones to get fired from their jobs. We've seen it before in the, in the again, BDS, minimal impact, I would say. I would argue that if you disagree, get in touch with me. Let me know what you think. I would say minimal impact, uh, very good when it comes to uh, PR, certainly. Uh, and they've had some successes, but bottom line, the middle impact. But again, those who are fired, I'm thinking about SodaStream right now, those who succumb to the BDS pressure and close their factories and move them or whatnot from Judea and Samaria, who gets fired? The Arabs get fired. Arabs, you BDS haters out there, you are punishing Arabs. You are taking away their livelihood. They get hurt by BD BDS more than anyone else. So if that's your goal, keep it coming, right? You so-called progressive, enlightened, 
people who are against Israel's policies in Judea and Samaria. It's the Arabs who get hurt the most. So if that's your goal, you hypocrites, bring it on. Israel National News reports that Arabs broke into an apartment in the Ramat Eshkol neighborhood of Lod, blocked the corridors in the apartment using a refrigerator, and engraved swastikas, a PLO flag, and the words Lod is Arab on the wall. Lod, you know, that's where our international airport is in Lod. When you arrive, usually they say, when you arrive to Israel, they usually say Tel Aviv, but in reality, it is in the neighborhood of, or the city of Lod, okay? The apartment in question was inhabited by Jews and was torched by Arabs last year during the riots in the mixed cities. The apartment has not been restored since Operation Guardian of the Walls has been has become a kind of museum that tells the story of the Jews in Lod during the riots. In recent days, the Arabs re-entered the ruined apartment, broke the few, the few objects that were left inside, and as noted, engraved a swastika and inscriptions in Arabic and in Hebrew. And then the, the story, the article here tears, tells... Another story of uh, an attack against a uh, group of Jewish students, 11th graders, 11th graders visiting the city who were attacked and had to flee for their lives. Folks, anti-Semitism isn't just a problem in the U.S. or in the European Union. In Israel, it is a problem as well. This is anti-Semitism. It doesn't matter. A lot of times, it's not regarded as anti-Semitism against Jews if it happens here in Israel. And I say, no, this is anti-Semitism. This is Jew hatred, just like it is in any other parts of the world. What would you call it then? There's swastikas being engraved in the walls of Jewish apartments in the center of the country. How is that not considered anti-Semitism or Jew hatred? Why is that ignored? Why is that not a part of any studies on anti-Semitism? Unless I'm wrong, unless I don't know about those studies. But usually when you talk about anti-Semitism and the problems, anti-Semitism all over the world, you leave out the fact that it is most pre- prevalent, I would say, prevalent, sorry, got that word wrong, most prevalent here in Israel, unfortunately. I remember one study from 2014, I think it was an ADL study that showed that the Palestinian Authority is in fact the most anti-Semitic um, community in the world. So let that sink in. We're going to finish on a... A positive note, and also, as we do usually on a weekly basis, uh, we call out the BDS. We talked about BDS a little bit just before, but Israel 21C reports that corn, the third largest plant-based food source in the world and most important crop in the U.S., where 1.2 billion metric tons of corn, that's yearly, yearly 1.2 billion metric tons of corn, are produced in the U.S. Um, now, results of life cycle analysis, analysis a, sorry, a life cycle analysis study show the environmental impact of all those cornfields is significantly reduced by the use of drip irrigation as opposed to flood or sprinkler irrigation. Drip irrigation, of course, originated here in Israel or at least was highly developed here in Israel many years ago. It's what we use to make the desert bloom, drip irrigation. Okay, so here you have a study which shows how much better drip irrigation is for the environment, specifically in these cornfields. The study conducted by EchoChain during 2020 for Israel's Netafim, the global leader in sustainable precision irrigation solutions. Here are some highlights. Corn grown with drip irrigation releases 53% fewer carbon emissions compared to flood irrigated corn um, and 39% fewer carbon emissions compared to sprinkler irrigation. 
Drip irrigated corn requires 24% less fertilizer than when it is grown with flood irrigation and 17% less when grown with sprinklers. Drip irrigated corn produces 45% more kilograms per hectare when compared to flood and 23 when compared to sprinklers. And here's a quote from the Netafim Global Chief Sustainability Officer, John Farner. He said, we've been showing the world how to grow more with less for nearly 60 years, and our pioneering technology is now critical to mitigate the impacts of climate change. This is what we're doing here in Israel, folks. We're mitigating climate change. And you want to hate on Israel? You left-wing, so-called left-wingers who are all about the environment? You want to hate on Israel? This is what we're doing for the world. Not just here. We're doing this for the world. Okay? This company has 33 subsidies, 17 manufacturing plants worldwide. Again, Netafim. They offer customized irrigation solutions to millions of farmers from smallholders to large-scale agricultural producers in 110 countries. Netafim, look them up. But if you hate Israel and you're pro-BDS, and you, even if you claim to be uh, concerned about the environment, you'd better about, you better not be using this drip irrigation technology, okay? This is an Israeli-developed technology. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't use drip irrigation. Fight the power, folks. If you're a real hater, if you're a real diehard BDSer, Go water your crops with the sprinklers and with the flooding and with all this other technology, even if it's bad or worse for the environment. Don't use drip irrigation because if you do, then you are a hypocrite. Okay? You're an absolute hypocrite, you BDS anti-Israel haters. On that note, and that's also considered a great story, by the way, because of the fact that Israel has uh, done the research and found that what we're doing is better for the world. That's going to do it for today's show. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com. Let me know what you think of the show. Love it, hate it. Let me know your opinion on all the issues of the day, everything going on in the world of news here in Israel. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. Shout out to Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes here at the network. Please, God, we will speak again next Monday. Coming to you from just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem, Israel's capital, the capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people from now and all eternity. Thanks so much for joining me. Have a great week, everyone. Be safe out there. Shalom, shalom. Zionism, political and secular, says Ben-Gurion, held that Israel must be redeemed by its own efforts and by natural agency that the Jewish people on its own must create the foundations of a new life. Well, I'm definitely looking to found a new life for my people in the land, although I'm not so sure we can do it on our own. Because I'm Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Rav Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast, The Jewish Story, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.